0: For those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Mike. Thanks. Thank you very much, Doreen. <laughs> Doreen's asked you all to be quiet, so, um, and you should ex- respect your elders. So for those of you who don't know Doreen, um, she, she and Iris are, are the two legends in our church. They... Um, <laughs> The, the, Lindsay and I, Lindsey and I, yeah, yeah, we can give them a round of applause. Lindsay and I always say that that um, one day when we grow up, we want to be Christians like them because they just they're amazing. Um, anyway, as I said, my name is Mike. I'm married to the gorgeous Lindsay. Uh, we arrived we arrived um, in this church 11 years ago this week. Um, I know. <laughs> it's a, for some of you, it feels longer, I know. but um, <laughs> um, And I I now have the amazing privilege of being on staff here in the church. And as many mentioned, Neil and Kate are, are away this week. So they've asked me to, to share with you this morning. Um, let's just, let, let's start with a prayer. And then we're just, Lord, we we just... Um, we just invite you here this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for, for your word that, that, that you gave to us. Um, your written word that you sent to to guide us, to correct us, and to teach us, Lord. And we just, we lift it up to you this morning. We ask that, that you you will speak to each and every one of us. And may no one leave this building um, the same way that they arrived this morning. Lord, I ask that, that you will touch each and every person and change their lives. In Jesus' name. So, if if I were to ask around around the room this morning um, what the world needs most, I'm sure we could come up with a pretty substantial list of needs. Um, look, we just have to... to Think about the the atrocious and unthinkable acts that were carried out in Paris this weekend. Uh, And most of us would probably say that we need world peace. There's barely a day that goes by without us us hearing news of another suicide bomb in the Middle East, um, another airstrike in Syria, another attempted coup in some African country. And we can often become numb to, to all the war and, and general lack of peace around us. But scenes, scenes like we've seen on the TV this weekend, just bring it all home and, and highlight the, the general lack of peace in the world today. So, and it's not, it's not just peace on an international scale. Um, you know, we want peace in our cities, peace between gangs, peace between politicians, um, and peace in our homes. You know, I don't know about you, I grew up, I'm the youngest of five children. Um, and Bryony's laughing because she's she's got experience with big families, we we, um, there was often a general lack of peace in our family (laughs) my folks used to pile us all in the car and take us on holiday and they used to drive about 1200 miles um, with six or seven of us in the car and I don't know how they did it, I mean you know, Lindsay and I struggled getting, getting to church some mornings without, without some sort of argument or, or war going on in the car. So, um, I think we could all agree that, that we need more peace. Another need most of us would, would agree on is an end to world hunger. Um, and I'm not just talking about the millions of people facing starvation in Africa and Asia and other parts of the world. You know, many of you in this room serve on, on, on our food bank at the Yard, which is our community center um, on an estate in Putney, on the Ashburton estate. Um, and this year alone, since April, we've given emergency food to over 400 people just in Wandsworth. So, you know, we could really do with an end to hunger. Um, many of you might say that we need stricter environmental policies. We constantly seeing stories about depleted rainforests, shrinking ice caps, and rising temperatures. Some might say what we need is debt relief, both on an international scale and a personal scale. There's dozens of countries around the world who don't have enough money to provide decent education, health care, running water, just basic human needs. Um, never mind the, the I mean, we've had stories in the paper recently about these, um, these short term loan companies who are just, you know, with ridiculously high interest rates. Um, and there's loads more needs we, we could come up with. Uh, we, we need better diets. You know, if you've been following Jamie Oliver recently, saying how much sugar we eat, uh, we need an end to drug and alcohol abuse. We need, um, some might say, better coffee on a Sunday morning at church. Um, Well, let me suggest to you that what the world needs most is the gospel and not a narrow, over-spiritualized, disembodied gospel that simply gives people the hope of an afterlife. We need a full-bodied, warm-blooded gospel that impacts our lives just as much after we die as before we die. We need a full package gospel that covers all the bases, including our relationship with God, with the earth he entrusted into our care, and with each other. A gospel that embraces righteousness. I want to share with you a story I read recently. Um, the late Corrie Ten Boom wrote a best-selling book titled The Hiding Place, where she recalled meeting a guard from the Ravensbrück concentration camp, where Corrie's sister had died And Corrie herself had suffered tremendously. So she wrote this. It was actually at a church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man who stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heap of clothing, my sister Betsy's pain-filled face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust, thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to people about the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing. Not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for the stranger that almost overwhelmed me. This is the righteousness of the gospel. Over the last few weeks, Neil's been making his way through the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5, and what we refer to as the Beatitudes. So far, we've looked at, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So, those studious ones among you who've been doing your homework, will probably know, I will have guessed, that today we're looking at, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, as I said to you, Lindsay and I arrived in this church 11 years ago, um, fresh off the plane from Zimbabwe. We we had just spent four years witnessing um, Robert Mugabe's destruction of the country's commercial farming industry and the subsequent demise of the economy as a whole. I think when we left, inflation was about 600%. It got worse after we left. But anyway, not not long before we left, uh, I was working for a um, commercial rose grower just on the edge of Arari, and um, he had some friends in fairly high government places, and one day the Minister of Agriculture arrived, and I had to show him around. Now, this was the man who had orchestrated, um, basically orchestrated 4,000 commercial farmers being chased off their land, and about around about 2 million farm workers losing their careers. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have a lot of love for the man. Um, and I really wish that I could stand before you today and say that I prayed the same prayer that Corrie Ten Boom had prayed. Um, but unfortunately, at that stage, I wasn't hungry for Righteousness. I think the burning hunger within me was more for vengeance than righteousness. Um, as a result, I took him into our warmest greenhouse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was where we, we rooted all our cuttings, so we had special misters in there, so it was set to about 92% humidity. <laughs> um, and I just kept him in there and just chatted to him until he'd had enough and decided to go home. Um, so... I wasn't very righteous that day, but um, when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, what is this righteousness that he speaks of? Righteousness is not just an internal quality like integrity or honesty. Righteousness includes integrity and honesty, but it goes beyond that. Righteousness is not conformity to God's law. That is the way it's often defined. It includes conformity to God's law. But that doesn't quite capture the huge, huge word that is righteousness. So what is righteousness? Well, one clever German scholar um, named von Rad uh, says that righteousness simply means right-relatedness. Everything in the world now is in a jumbled mess. The world's out of sync, out of joint with itself. Our relationships are out of sync with each other. We're out of sync with ourselves, emotionally and psychologically. We're out of sync with God. The term righteousness in the Bible is a relational term. And it communicates the healing of our relationships in a holistic way. And this includes, as I said, the healing of our, of our relationship with the earth. As we read in Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And again, further down in Genesis 3 verse 19, when God says to Adam, by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So, not only we come from the earth, and will we return to the earth one day, But for as long as we're alive, we rely on the earth to keep us alive. For Food, for water, even the air we breathe comes from the earth that we're on. Um, There's there's obviously been a lot of horror stories coming out of Zimbabwe in the time we were there and since we left. It's one of the many blessings um, that's come about through the demise of the the farming industry there, apart, obviously, from you guys having Lindsay and I here. Um, is a, there's a group of farmers who've, who've set up a, 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 um, a thing called Foundation for Farming. And these guys travel around Southern Africa, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Zambia, Malawi, and they train people to farm according to biblical practices, reducing the use of chemicals and reducing the impact of the soil. Just a bunch of guys trying to heal our relationship with the earth. Um, Righteousness also includes right-relatedness with ourselves. We're more than just material beings. We're also psychological and emotional beings. Some of you may know a guy called Bill Hybels. He's a very influential pastor of Willow Creek Church just outside of Chicago. And he once compared our emotional and physical health to warning lights on a car dashboard. He said, most Christians pay attention to only one blinking warning light, the spiritual warning light. So, I mean, if I was to ask most of you here today, um, how are you doing? Uh, Most of you immediately look at your spiritual warning lights. Have I been maintaining my devotions? Am I involved in the practice of sin? How is my prayer life? These, you know, these sorts of um, spiritual things. But we neglect other warning lights on the dashboard, the emotional warning light and the physical warning light. Um, a few years ago, those of you who've, who've been a little around and known us since we arrived will realize this, but a few years ago, um, I'd been working for a company that was going through a liquidation process. We, um, I hadn't been there very long, and um, it came to light that, that the directors had... Um, well, they hadn't managed the company very well, so we were in a bit of trouble. Um, uh, every day we went into work not knowing what our future was uh, and really not knowing when it was going to be decided. This was obviously an extremely stressful time. Um, and it carried on for about four months of going into work every day, sitting there. Uh, we, because we were going through liquidation, no one wanted to trade with us. Uh, it, was, it was just a tough time. And one of my methods of dealing with stress is food. So I ate. I ate a lot. Uh, um, I ate a lot of junk. And I piled on the pounds. Um, to put it, th- put it this way, when we arrived in the UK, I was about 12 stone. By the time the company was actually bought out and our fate had been decided... I was just shy of 16 stone. So I'd packed on a, a fair bit of weight. Um, I, we, we grew up in Zimbabwe where um, we're not stuck in the dark ages, so we use the metric system. So I was actually measuring my, mate, my weight in kilograms. Um, so I got to 98 kilograms, and I thought, look, I've got this far. I may as well get to 100. <laughs> so I, um, I ate a few more pies and um, had a few more Mars bars and a few more cans of Coke, and I got to 100. <laughs> um, and, but then I, 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 got, I got into the gym, um, I started eating salad, I cut down on carbs, and... Um, I think I'm about 85 kgs now, so I don't know what that is in stone. It's, uh, maybe someone can get out the abacus and work it out for us. Um, <laughs> but I, I realized that the relationship that I had with my body was, was not right, so I set about healing it. Um, I have to admit, uh, analyzing my, my physical relationship with my, with my body is a lot easier for me than, than, than analyzing my emotional relationship. Um, Uh, when someone says, how are you doing? It takes me a long time to figure out how I'm doing. (laughs) So I'm very good at ignoring the emotional light. Um, both, both my dad and Lindsay's dad, um, have been going through and and are still going through some, some really serious, um, health issues. Um, we, we got to see them recently, which was amazing, but, um, I have to, I have to say that 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 leaving them um not knowing uh, not knowing if we'll ever see them them again is it's 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 pretty tough and it's one of the challenges that we have um, living six thousand miles away from them um can i and I just say that that through all of this, you guys in the church have just been incredible we 've never felt so loved so supported so encouraged and it's just it just speaks volumes for the local church. Um, so thank you. Um, but there's that constant underlying stress every day. You know, we, you wake up and you're sort of going through this, the, the process of waking up. And almost one of the first thoughts in your head is, "How how's dad doing? Um, and it just kind of boils away the whole day. And... There's, there's not really anything we can do apart from pray, phone them as often as we can, and try and visit them whenever possible. So, that underlying stress, you know, if you don't deal with it, it comes out in some other way. And it's usually not very pretty. So, you know, I have people in my life who, who regularly say to me, how are you doing? And they don't accept the reply, okay. Um... And at the moment, they don't even accept the reply, I'm doing well, because they know that I'm not. (laughs) So, um, I, I encourage you. Get people in your life to ask you, how are you doing? And make sure it's someone who won't accept the answer, okay. Because most of us are very rarely okay. So, we've looked at right relatedness with the earth, right relatedness with ourselves. What about right-relatedness with others? Um, Martin Luther King had this to say about the holistic meaning of righteousness. A A religion true to its nature must also be concerned about man's social conditions. Religion deals with both earth and heaven, both time and eternity, Religion operates not only on the vertical plane, but also on the horizontal. It seeks not only to integrate men with God, but to integrate men with men and each man with himself. This means, at bottom, that the Christian gospel is a two-way road. On the one hand, it seeks to change the souls of men and thereby unite them with God. And on the other hand, it seeks to change the environmental conditions of man so that the soul will have a a chance after it is changed. Any religion that professes to be concerned with the souls of men and is not concerned with the slums that damn them, the economic conditions that strangle them, and the social conditions that cripple them is dry as dust religion. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be involved in dry as dust religion. It sounds sounds seriously dull and and just life-sucking. But as a church... We're involved in a number of projects that seek, as Martin Luther would say, both to change the souls of men and also to change the environmental conditions around them. This term, we've been running Alpha at the Yard. Um, Every Tuesday evening, we've met together. We've eaten some of the most delicious food. We've had uh, some great speakers from members of this church come in and, and share their stories. And we've had a chance for people to ask questions about life and their faith, just helping people to change their souls. Every Tuesday afternoon, uh, also at the Yard, we've got a seriously talented team of, of, of coaches who volunteer at our job club, and they're basically helping people to make the steps back into employment, helping them with their CVs, helping them with job searches, pointing them in the direction that they think they should be going in their lives, um, and preparing them for interviews. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we run a food bank there every Wednesday at lunchtime and Sunday afternoon, uh, just providing emergency food to, to those in need. So we're making efforts to, to change the environmental conditions of man, as well as changing his soul. But all these initiatives have come about through people having a hunger for righteousness, Deciding to do something about it. So, as we said, righteousness means right relatedness in all realms, and certainly it means right relatedness with God. We're physical beings, we're psychological beings, we're social beings, and we're also spiritual beings. This aspect is often neglected by secular society. You cannot get spiritually right by merely turning within and trying to discover your spiritual center or find yourself, as we used to say. Do they still say that? Um, spiritual healing requires right related relationship with God. That is what the death of Jesus Christ is all about. Establishing right relationship with God by consuming the wrath of God that is directed against sin on the cross and winning for anyone who turns to Jesus Access to God and relationship with God. Connection with God. Right relationship with God is not simply legal standing. Right relationship with God means that I want my internal desires to line up with the will of God. It's not I want or I desperately crave for such and such. But God doesn't want me to have it, so I'm going to have to give that up. Right relatedness means That God is healing my desires so that what I want is what he wants. So ask yourself, is this where you are? Internally, do you want what God wants? Is it more having to be dragged away from drugs, illicit sex, alcohol, greed, anger? We could go on. Um, It is, I don't want those things. I'm being healed. So, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Or as the Message Translation puts it, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. Because unless we have an appetite for God, and for the things of God, then we can only do so much before we run out of steam. And chances are, we can come along to church most Sundays. We'll probably join a small group. But we're not going to have a real impact on the world around us unless we've got right relatedness in our lives. Because if we don't have an appetite for God and for his righteousness in the world, then chances are we're going to have an appetite for something else. You know, Neil often quotes some guy. I don't know who he is, but he says... Um, <laughs> Neil quotes a lot of people. He reads far more books than I do. um, But he says, we all worship something in life. Um, So if we're not worshiping God, then we're we're definitely worshiping something else. So I guess the question we need to ask ourselves is, if we don't have an appetite for God, and if we don't have a hunger for righteousness, then what's suppressing our appetite? Um, A few years ago, we got invited to this some of you may know the Spur Steakhouse in, in Wandsworth. Uh, we had some, some very good friends, um, called Greg and Carolyn Grant, who some of you may know. They've, they've since um, deserted us and moved to Texas. Um, you know, when we arrived in London, we said, we'll be here for three years, and then we're out of here. Eleven years later, we're still here, and we've seen, we've seen so many people come and go, um, but anyway, it's a story for another day. Anyway, so they, they invited us to the Spur and um Sunday night Spur has a an eleven eleven pound ninety nine eat as much as you can rib special. Um, so so on that day uh we got up, I had a very light breakfast. <laughs> I, I had pretty much no lunch and by the time we got to the spur that evening, I was ravenous. Myself, myself and Greg sat down, and uh, I think after the third serving, the waiter just stopped asking us if we wanted any more and just kept bringing them. <laughs> uh, needless to say, we got our money's worth that night because we hadn't filled up on other things. We had an appetite for ribs. And in today's world, we're so good at filling ourselves up on other things. Earlier this year, Neil taught on margins. If you, if you haven't heard it or you weren't around, do yourself a favor, go and look for the podcast and, and listen to them. It's, uh, yeah, they're amazing. But it was basically highlighted to us how, how good we are at filling our lives with, with work, with hobbies, with TV, with social media, sport, family, exercise, all these things that, that take up space um, and just stop us from hearing from God and from being able to talk to God. And the same applies with righteousness. We fill ourselves with so much stuff that we don't have any room to hunger for righteousness. And I say we because, you know, Lindsay will quite happily tell you I'm a champion at this. If there was a medal for filling your life with stuff, I'd have a gold one. No silver or bronze for me. Um it's not work it's tv rugby The rugby world cup was awesome for me um uh facebook twitter any other form of social media a few years ago it was gym i was was going to the gym five or six days a week for two or three hours at a time um don't get me wrong it's important to have as i said right relatedness with your body but not at the expense of right relatedness with god so if you find yourself today doubting your hunger for God or desperate for a greater hunger for righteousness, then in a little while, I'm going to invite you up to so that we can pray for you. We just invite you up here because it gives us a bit of space. We can identify you and get around you and pray for you. Um, we're going to pray that, uh, that our Father will highlight the things uh, that are robbing our hunger for righteousness. And not only that, but that he will increase our appetite for righteousness. You know, I found when I was, when I was eating a lot, the more I ate, the more I could eat. Um, so the more we hunger for righteousness and the, the more he fills our, our hunger for righteousness, the more we will be able to hunger for righteousness. And that he'll create in us a deep thirst for right, right relatedness with the earth, with each other, with ourselves, and most of all with God. And if there's anyone here who who doesn't know a relationship with God, so they wouldn't know if their relationship with God is right anyway, then I want to invite you to come forward as well and and just find one of us and, and get us to pray with you. So can we have the band back?